39.4% of the variance in running economy was explained by a combination of uh, three different variables. The Triathlon Show 136 Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode we talk about the latest science in running form and how it can affect running economy and running performance. But first, big, big thank you to our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration. They are the sweat experts and they provide electrolyte products that help you stay hydrated and keep your electrolyte content up so that you can perform even when the day gets longer and the weather gets hotter. So you can check them out on precisionhydration.com and uh, You can take their free online sweat test. I'll link to that in the show notes to find out what your individual electrolyte needs is. Because there's no one size fits all when it comes to hydration. You need to find how much sodium you need to get for you specifically. And if you decide to buy any of their products, you can actually get your first box or tube for free when you use the promo code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps, at checkout. So again, that's precisionhydration.com and the code is that triathlon show, all one word, all caps. And warm welcome to new sponsor of that triathlon show, Roka. You can find Roka on roka.com, that's R-O-K-A.com. And if you are not familiar with them, I guess most of you are, but the way I described this to a couple of uh, non-triathlete friends that are still interested in what I do with the podcast, they're basically, in my view at least, like the Nike of triathlon, because they are at the forefront of technology, their research and development into their products is uh, is top class, it's really insane, and uh, they're also one of the biggest brands, of course, for good reason, because the quality is really, really excellent. I want to share a little bit of uh, my experience with Roka products, because it's been great. I have used Roka products for quite some time but uh, now as part of the sponsorship I also got sent some new products to try out which uh, I'm very grateful for for to the team at Roka and uh, today I want to mention the wetsuit the Maverick X which uh, which I have tried out in the last few weeks and uh, it's insane really I've been using it in pool workouts and in open water workouts and basically compared to my swimming without a wetsuit uh, in the pool I can I get easily off for the same effort I get 10 seconds per 100 meter faster when I'm in the wetsuit which is a lot especially considering that I'm no slouch without uh, without a wetsuit either so to get that sort of time improvement with a wetsuit is unheard of and and I've had the other wetsuits that I've had as well have been pretty high end so 
but this one is a different class to any other wetsuit that I that I tried. I can say that uh, very, very genuinely, the Maverick X wetsuit is uh, insanely fast. So yeah, I have to give a shout out to that. And uh, as a part of the sponsorship as well, Roka gives 20% off the entire order for anybody who orders from Roka.com using the promo code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps. So again, that's 20% off the entire order at Roka.com using the promo code that triathlon show. All right, so let's get on with the show. Apologies in advance for the dog that is barking in the background. Let's hope he quiets down at some point, but uh, we'll just have to live with it. Otherwise, this is uh, my podcasting studio in Lisbon, and it comes with some some dogs, some stray, some not stray, but uh, many of them are barking, so not much to do about that. Anyway, today's topic is basically a review of uh, a fairly recent, from last year actually, but uh, so a one-year-old study that is called Running Technique is an Important Component of Running Economy and Performance. It's uh, a study that was conducted by Jonathan Foland and colleagues at uh, the University of Loughborough. They do a lot of great uh, research in endurance sports, and they're quest was to establish the relationship between running technique or running form and both running economy and running performance and this is the largest study by far that has been done on this topic we'll get to that in just a second but first for those of you who are not aware running economy we need to define that It's the energy cost or the oxygen cost of running a given distance at a sub-maximal velocity. So it's like if you're, we can use a car analogy. If you're driving a car at, uh, at, I don't know, 50 kilometers an hour or so, how much fuel do you consume to go one kilometer? An economical car will use less fuel than a less economical car, even though they're both going at the same speed. And it's the same with, uh, with runners and athletes. Some are more economical than others. And even for athletes that are of fairly similar ability, one athlete may have potentially a higher VO2 max or a higher anaerobic threshold, but may, the other runner may be more economical and for that reason potentially better over long distances. So running economy is a very important uh, parameter and predictor of running performance. To get started with what this study is all about, I want to actually read from the abstract fairly directly. I'll uh, leave some stuff out and change it to sound less technical uh, simply, but I want to give you a high-level overview to start with. So the abstract goes like this. Purpose. This study aimed to determine the relationship between individual and combined kinematic measures of technique with both running economy and performance. Methods. 97 endurance runners, 47 females, of diverse competitive standards performed a discontinuous protocol of incremental treadmill running. Measurements included three-dimensional full-body kinematics, respiratory gases to determine energy cost, and velocity of lactate turnpoint. Five categories of kinematic measures, including vertical oscillation, braking, 
posture, stride parameters, and lower limb angles, as well as lo- locomotory, did I say that right? Locomotory energy cost were averaged across the highest common velocity below the velocity of the lactate turnpoint. Performance was measured as season's best uh, time converted to an equivalent 10k time. Just editor's note here, uh, the uh, lactate turnpoint, they use that term in this case for anaerobic threshold, which you're more used to me talking about. So lactate turnpoint here means anaerobic threshold. And uh, in this study, if you go and read it, if you see the term lactate threshold, that refers to the aerobic threshold. Results. Numerous kinematic variables were correlated with running economy and performance. 19 with economy and uh, 11 with performance. Regression analysis found three variables, including pelvic vertical oscillation during ground contact, normalized to height, minimum knee joint angle during ground contact, and minimum horizontal pelvis velocity, or braking explained 39% of running economy variability. In addition, four variables, again, minimum horizontal pelvis velocity or braking, shank touchdown angle, duty factor, and trunk forward lean combined to explain 31% of the variability in performance as seasonal best time. Conclusions. This study provides novel and robust evidence that technique explains a substantial proportion of the variance in running economy and performance. We recommend that runners and coaches are attentive to specific aspects of stride parameters and lower limb angles in part to optimize pelvis movement and ultimately enhance performance. Alright, so that was... uh, Quite a mouthful, but uh, we'll get into it and I'll try to explain it in uh, simple terms so that you can understand uh, the big takeaways and the important points here. But before we do that, actually, I should say that even though this study found that there are a lot of things that are related to and actually explain quite a lot of running economy and performance that are related to your running technique, that doesn't mean that you should go out and try to completely completely do a makeover of your running stride necessarily. I would uh, advise a bit of caution with that, but uh, I would advise to, as a first step, just become aware of how you're running and how that relates to some of the variables that we'll talk about that are important in, in this episode. And that awareness is the first step. And then you need to make an assessment of if this is something that you can realistically change. And if that will help you, you can do some some testing, of course, in training and uh, see how that goes. And, uh, And if you decide that based on the assessment that it's something that you need to work on, this also depends on your current running ability, your goals, etc. Even your things like your injury history or propensity for injuries then if you decide that based on all of this it makes sense to make some changes then you can go and look at these variables again and uh, see how you can best work on trying to improve that but it's not as simple as just going and and making a complete overhaul of uh, of your entire running form right away based on this episode i wouldn't recommend that by any means 
this is just to bring you awareness and uh, and give you some information about what we know today about running technique and running form and how it relates to to performance and economy. So let's uh, get into some more background and context. Uh, there have been a few studies uh, before on on this topic. So first, if we talk about how technique relates to performance, the authors of this study write that the only study that has directly examined the relationship between running kinematics and performance found no significant associations in 16 moderate to high level runners. A few small studies have compared groups of sub-elite runners with uh, elite athletes finding no or subtle differences in kinematic variables. I think there's actually a typo there because it says comparing sub-elite to sub-elite. I guess it should be sub-elite to elite. But anyway, uh, the point being here that very little work has been done before. Only one proper study with 16 runners and that found no results. Studies on uh, how technique relates to running economy. About that, the authors write that investigations into the relationship between running economy and technique have typically been small cohort studies with uh, less than 25 participants of relatively homogeneous groups of runners. Limited kinematic measurements and uh, limitations in the methods used. Consequently, we know very little about the relationship between running kinematics and uh, running economy and performance. And a recent review of strategies to improve running economy provided no recommendations with regard to running technique. And how does this study fit into this picture? The authors write here that despite the lack of consensus in the literature, we postulated that five aspects of kinematics may influence running economy and performance. Stride parameters, lower limb angles, vertical oscillation, changes in horizontal velocity during ground contact, aka braking, and trunk and pelvis orientation, aka posture. Given that running economy and performance are known to be influenced by a range of anthropometric, physiological, and intrinsic musculoskeletal variables, the contribution of technique would seem to be relatively modest. In this case, a statistically robust investigation dictated the recruitment of a large heterogeneous cohort including recreational and elite runners to provide a range of running techniques, economy and performance. So that's in a nutshell where this study sits in comparison to the previously the, the work that has been previously done by other studies. So let's get into the nitty-gritty of how they did it and uh, what they found. For participants, they recruited 97 regular runners, which means they were running two times or more per week, and considered running to be their primary sport or physical activity. These 97 included 29 elite runners, 15 males with a season-best 10k time of better than 31 minutes and uh, 14 females with a season best of uh, better than 35 minutes for the 10k and uh, 68 recreational runners and uh, males had a time better than 52 minutes for the 10k 
there were 35 of them and the females 33 of them had a 10k best of better than 57 minutes they all had a bmi body mass body mass index of less than 24 and that they were free from moderate injury in the past three months and free from minor injuries in the past one month so so that they had been doing some running recently so it's a uh, fairly standard but it's a it's a good way to recruit participants and the important thing here is that they had 97 of them which is a massive 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 amount when you read a lot of sports science re- research studies that i do you get used to seeing participants range in the 10 to 20 in many studies in most studies actually so 97 for a study in the sports science field is it's a lot it's very rare to see this big a number of participants the protocol that they used was fairly standard running on the treadmill an incremental running protocol starting from a very easy pace and uh, then increasingly getting faster. They took lactate samples to be able to measure lactate threshold. And they also used uh, respiratory gas analysis to be able to determine oxygen consumption and uh, CO2 uh, volume exhaled. And that allows them then to calculate running economy. And they had... uh, a series of cameras that I won't go into details, but basically they were allowed them to do all sorts of fancy analysis of different stride parameters, running technique, etc. So that was all set up so that they could do that at any time during the test. The one thing with the protocol that is a bit of a question mark to me is that they they chose to calculate running economy for all runners at a speed that was... Uh, very low uh, because they wanted to have it calculated at a sub-maximal so below the anaerobic threshold velocity and for the slower runners this was of course uh, much much uh, slower than for the elite runners which meant that they calculated uh, running economy data in the range from 10 to 12 kilometers per hour so that is five minutes per kilometer or faster or eight minute miles or uh, so sorry five minutes per kilometer or slower slightly slower and uh, eight minutes per mile or slightly slower than that and for the elite runners it's uh, interesting i i don't know the answer to this to be honest but but i think that they may be less economical at that speed than they would be at something that is a bit closer to their threshold even though it's still far away from that so so i don't know if if that's that's not something that the researchers or the authors of the study go into in any more detail they may have had good reasons for that but that's just something that stood out to me as uh, not necessarily the way i would have imagined being the the most optimal optimal way to do things but then again i'm just looking at this from the outside so i'm not saying that uh, that i know better than than these researchers they may have very valid reasons for doing so but i do want to point uh, out any potential issues with the study to because it's not no study almost no study is complete gospel there's always things that you need to be critical about so let's get into the most exciting part of all of this the results of the study 
First, some uh, general things that they pointed out about the participants and their economy, performance, and kinematics. The uh, the 10k time, as we already talked about, it varied substantially because they had both elite runners and very much recreational runners. So uh, the range here was from 29 minutes to almost 57 minutes as their personal bests. The average was 40 minutes and 14 seconds for their 10k best time. Likewise, the velocity at the lactate threshold, or lactate turn point, sorry, as using the same terminology as in the paper, was 15.7 kilometers per hour. So that would be, I would say off the top of my head, something like 350 pace, 3 minutes and 50 seconds per kilometer. And uh, equivalently in... uh, in mile pace, it would be something like 6.10 pace, maybe. Six, uh, 6 minutes, 10 seconds per mile. These are just off the top of my head. You need to do the conversions yourself. But I think it's something something like that. And uh, But the variability here, of course, again, was very big. The elite runners were significantly faster than that. And uh, and the slower runners were slower. So, so the slowest velocity at lactate turn point was 12 kilometers an hour which is 5 minutes per kilometer or 8 minutes per mile. And the fastest were 20.5 kilometers per hour, which is uh, a bit faster than than 3 minutes per kilometer or whatever that is per mile. I don't know that one. Running economy at the 10 to 12 kilometers per hour where they calculated that varied by almost twofold. So uh, that was uh, a big difference, of course. Some runners are twice as economical as others. And uh, this was this measure was independent of body mass. As for the kinematics, some runners had more than twice the vertical oscillation of other runners, and that was uh, normalized for height. So that is uh, important that they did that. And braking measures also varied by a two to two point eight fold range. That is how much your horizontal velocity slows down and speeds up again. You want to keep that speed, of course, fairly constant and not have too many decelerations and accelerations. And some runners were twice as good as that as others, or almost three times as good in some cases. Stride rate varied from 72 to 111 strides per minute. And uh, that's actually calculating, uh, I guess, revolutions per minute. So... So steps per minute would be twice that, so 144 to 222 steps per minute. Stride length normalized to height had uh, less variability. That was in the 1.5, at most 1.5 range uh, in terms of how much longer some runners' strides were to others. Normalized to height, that is. Ground contact time duty factor and leg swing time duty factor means simply what is the percentage of time that your foot is on the ground or is touching the ground compared to the the time of your overall uh, stride cycle that varied more than 1.6 fold and then they list some other variations in limb angles and uh, range of motion etc that are a bit difficult really to to describe and illustrate on a podcast so i will have a link to 
to a figure in the show notes. So on the show notes, uh, scientifictriathlon.com forward slash TTS136, there will be a figure that shows what these angles really mean that uh, the study talks about. But uh, I won't go into detail here now with uh, with how much these things varied because it will just be really bad listening experience and you won't get much out of it. We'll talk a little bit about the ones that really mattered a bit later when we get into the, the analysis that they did of these results. And that is what we are actually starting to, to do now. So let's talk about the correlations between these, uh, this running technique and running economy and performance. So they assessed 24 kinematic variables in this study, and 19 of these were correlated with, uh, with running economy and 11 with running performance. And the relationships were weak to moderate. So in this case, uh, maybe if you go and look at the study and the different, uh, different correlations, you can maybe ignore the weak correlations and focus more so on the on the moderate uh, correlations because you don't want to to try to change 11 different variables or let alone 19 at the same time if you want to change anything you want to focus on the big uh, most important things without going into too much statistical geekery uh, just to quickly point out that when we talk about correlations here what these this study did is that they they tried to simply calculate if there is an association between a single variable, for example, braking and running economy or running performance, they did this uh, once, one at a time for each variable. What they did do, I should point out if there are any scientists listening, is that they did correct for a multiple testing as, is, uh, as you should do if you do these sorts of analysis. Uh, but uh, yeah, I won't go into much more detail on that but uh, but just in general these correlations while they can be uh, illustrative and uh, and quite useful it's also just a correlation and since there are v- many many interconnected kinematic variables here and other things as well that are connected with all of this a correlation is only a correlation so let's say for example that that stride rate is correlated with better running economy that does not mean that increasing your stride rate will improve your running economy that's not how it works it's just that there is a correlation there and uh, the reason may be in the variable itself but it may also be in other factors so correlation is a bit of a weaker measure but then what this study did that is uh, the most powerful thing and the thing that we'll focus the most on is that they did a multiple linear regression analysis where they combined all of these different variables using some methods that we don't need to go into uh, and just to find which combination of a few variables explains most of the difference in running economy and in running performance, uh, if any combination. And uh, this model, the regression model, did find that 39.4% of the variance in running economy was explained by a combination of uh, three different variables. These variables were the vertical oscillation of the pelvis normalized to height, 
the minimum knee joint angle during ground contact, and the minimum horizontal velocity of the pelvis, aka braking, or minimizing braking. So that explained 39% of the variability in running economy. So that's, that's pretty big, a, a big finding, that these three variables taken together can explain a big chunk of the, the variance that you see in a very economical runner compared to a non-economical runner. Likewise, the regression analysis for performance found that 30.5% of, uh, of this variance could be explained by a combination of four different variables. And these were the minimum horizontal velocity of the pelvis, again, so braking, the shank angle at touchdown, the duty factor, so again, that's the percentage of uh, time that your foot is in contact with the ground compared to your overall stride cycle duration. And uh, a smaller percentage here is better. You don't want to be in contact with the ground a long time. And finally, forward lean of the trunk. So again, since I had explained a few things there to make sure that you got the four variables, it was the minimal horizontal velocity of the pelvis breaking, the shank angle at touchdown, the duty factor, and the forward lean of the trunk. So let's then talk about the conclusions and what this all means. And uh, I'll steal some of these conclusions directly from, uh, from the study and what the authors wrote, but uh, add in some of my own thoughts as well. So it'll be a bit of a mix, which you'll notice if you go and read the study, which again, I'll link to in the episode description and in the show notes. So the big picture finding, I guess, is uh, this. Uh, previous research have not found any kinematic variables to be related to performance and very unconvincing, inconsistent evidence for isolated variables to be related to running economy. And whereas this study found quite strong evidence because the variables that were included in the regression analysis and were correlated with these uh, with performance and economy were were consistent it which increases the validity of them uh, so so this is a big step forward in terms of the running the science of of running form running technique and how it relates to economy and performance and obviously the fact that they had a big cohort of runners makes it uh, makes it all the better because we we're used to seeing very small studies and we always need to be very, very critical when we see that, but which we still need to be. But in this case, this, uh, this gives a lot of credibility when you, when you have 97 runners take part in, in a study. So, so that's a conclusion about how these findings relate to the big picture of, of sports science, of running, running science, really. When it comes to the individual technique and running form variables that uh, the researchers highlight in uh, the conclusion, they choose to focus on uh, very wisely uh, on the ones with, uh, with stronger correlations and not the ones with weak correlations, even though they were statistically significant, because at least in part of the fact they did a lot of testing and, uh, and you can 
overinterpret results when you do when you do that. So they focused on the strong correlations and uh, the ones that appeared in the regression models and also ones that were included were statistically significantly correlated with multiple variables like with running economy and performance and velocity at the lactate threshold etc so so that's a bit about how they chose to highlight different variables so if we go into a few of these parameters and uh, briefly touch upon them one more time the first group of parameters that uh, this study investigated was breaking and uh, they all of these different ways to measure braking basically correlated with economy and performance but they found that the strongest variable the best way to measure braking was uh, to measure the minimum velocity of the pelvis and the higher minimum velocity of the pelvis is better so so that's basically how to measure that and that was included in all three regression models which uh, makes it very very likely that this actually has uh, is a legit parameter to to look at and uh, and and think about then for vertical oscillation the one parameter that was the most the strongest correlated with economy and performance was uh, the vertical displacement of the pelvis during ground contact and that was normalized to the height of the runner and this parameter, vertical oscillation at ground contact, was by far the strongest variable in the regression model for running economy. So in itself, uh, the vertical oscillation at ground contact explains 28% of the variance in running economy. So that's massive when you consider that the whole model with all three parameters was uh, 39%. So this definitely seems to be a very important variable for running technique as well. For the posture parameters, it was shown that holding the trunk in a steady position, not having a lot of transverse rotation or rotation backwards and forwards, is uh, that is not having the rotation, I should clarify, is related to better economy and to a lesser extent also to better performance. So it highlights again what we already know that unnecessary movements should uh, be eliminated in, in running. Forward lean of the trunk was uh, not related to running economy, but it was weakly correlated with and also included in the regression model of actual performance, which uh, is interesting uh, but uh, this is one that I would advise caution with, because it, especially for triathletes, if you try to focus too much on a forward lean, it easily becomes uh, bending at the waist, which is uh, not really a good way to run. If you have a forward lean, it should come from really from your ankles, and you should have a forward lean all the way throughout your, your body, uh, which is also, but this is not specified in this study, but uh, you have, I'm sure you have seen these uh, triathletes coming off their triathlon bikes. They have been in them all day, maybe in an Ironman. And then uh, they're running like they, they have their nose like one meter in front of their feet, <laughs> which is, uh, you can just see that it's uneconomical. And that's not, you don't want to use this knowledge that forward lean of the trunk may be correlated with, uh, with performance or is correlated with performance, but you don't want to use that uh, 
unresponsibly. You want to use it responsibly, basically, and uh, be a bit cautious with how you do that and do not bend forward at the waist. So stride parameters, a shorter ground contact time and uh, related to that, a lower duty factor. We're both correlated with better running performance. And uh, it was uh, the duty factor actually and not ground contact time that contributed to the regression models for performance. And uh, that can be explained probably by the fact that if you are somebody who is quite tall and lanky, then you may not have a particularly fast stride rate and uh, you may also have a slightly higher ground contact time, especially if you're maybe even a bit heavier, uh, not overweight, but heavier in general because you're bigger, but then your your stride length may be longer instead. So the duty factor kind of takes that into account, which uh, ground contact time doesn't because ground contact time is an absolute, but the duty factor is your ground contact time as uh, as a percentage of your entire stride cycle, as I mentioned. So so it makes sense when you think about it. It's a bit more difficult to calculate because your Garmin's generally already calculate the ground contact time and show it to you. But uh, yeah, all that to say, uh, there was a correlation there and the duty factor was involved in the regression model for performance. But uh, neither of these variables were associated with running economy. And another stride parameter topic that uh, is uh, very important, and we've talked about this before many times, is that a higher stride rate and uh, and a shorter stride compared normalized to your height, again, they were both associated, correlated with better running economy. And this suggests that, uh, that overstriding is a problem for uneconomical runners so that means that you have a low but uh, relatively long stride and uh, hits the ground in front of your center of mass so uh, so try to reduce that stride length and uh, instead have a higher stride rate to become more economical and finally for the lower limb angles i'll only pick out one and that is the shank angle at uh, touchdown because that was uh, re- included in the regression model for performance and explained 10% of the variance of a total of 31% in the entire model. So, so that's an important one. But for the rest, I'll just refer you to go and read the study if you're really interested in this. Because for 99% of the listeners, I can't explain this in a way that won't make you tune out and uh, skip to the next podcast on your list. So so I'll just refer the 1% that are interested to partially to the show notes on uh, on my website, but also directly, pref- I guess, better to go directly to the study and actually get all the details of that in this case. The reason, if you're interested in why there are more variables correlated with running economy as compared to running performance... Uh, That is that, uh, of course, in running performance, it's an uncontrolled condition, really. So weather might have an impact and all those sorts of things. Uh, It it wasn't measured as part of the study. They were just asked what their best running performance had been. And we don't know what actually happened in the race, weather, terrain, etc. So it's less controlled. And also, it's the fact that uh, in running performance, there are 
running economy is just one part of what makes you run fast. Then you need those other uh, physiological predictors like VO2 max, uh, lactate threshold, but also mental fortitude. So there's so much that goes into running performance. Running economy is just one part of that. Of that. So, so that explains why there were 19 variables correlated with economy and 11 with running performance. And it also explains why the regression model for running economy could be could explain 40% of the variance in, in running economy and the regression model for performance could only explain 31% of the variance in performance. So let's wrap up with some key takeaways here. First, running technique explains a substantial proportion of the variance in running economy. Uh, more specifically, it explains 39% of that variance and in performance with 31%. Second, this means that you should become aware and pay some attention to certain parameters that uh, that you may want to start working on and improving on. And uh, the most important ones based on this study are the consistent forward velocity of the pelvis and try to not have uh, a large dip in forward velocity of it when when your foot hits the ground then we have a minimum vertical oscillation of the of the pelvis especially at uh, ground contact and also uh, trying to do these things like minimizing rotation of the upper body in various planes that you don't want to try to keep that steady and some stride parameters duty factor ground contact time and uh, stride rate they uh, are important as well and also some lower limb angles that you can find in the original study they may to may help to if not directly improve your economy and performance at least they may help you enhance for example minimize the braking and uh, keep that forward velocity of the pelvis up and that's uh, something that the authors uh, commented on as well that it's not so much about focusing on the individual parameters really as it is uh, because they are all interconnected or most of them are anyway so so we should be cautious with placing too much emphasis on any one parameter but uh, we can work on on a group of parameters and they will probably bring each other up as well if you improve some of them as usual you can find the show notes for this episode on that if you have comments or questions about this episode leave them there then I have some exciting news for you about the training camp in the Algarve that I mentioned last week. I will have a link in the show notes and or you can go directly to scientifictriathlon.com and click through to training camps. I can now confirm that the date of this camp will be the 20th to the 27th of October and uh, that is Algarve, southern Portugal, great weather, great cycling, great food. We will be staying at the Alfamar Beach and Sport Resort in Olhos de Agua. And uh, there are 12 slots available. So it will be very individual because we will have actually three different coaches there. Myself and uh, former, former professional cyclist Yuri Jorge, 
who is a local. He knows the area very well. He has helped me out a lot with organizing this. And he's the founder of Velo Performance. And uh, also a triathlon coach, Fiona, who also is uh, his Yuri's girlfriend and also works for Velo Performance. So, uh, so she's a triathlon coach. She has now focused more on cycling recently herself. But we will have uh, an, more than enough manpower to split participants into different groups depending on ability. So, uh, so that's uh, something to keep in mind that you will get all the individual attention needed. You will be able to train to your own level uh, because we have uh, the limited number of slots and uh, enough coaches to be able to handle that. So if you want to register or ask more, just email me, michael at scientifictriathlon.com. You will get a nice 100 euro discount as a podcast listener. Usually this uh, camp would be 870 euros for the public, but for podcast listeners, it's uh, 770 euros when you register uh, within July. Any questions, again, just email me and ask and, and I can help clarify. Finally, big, big thank you to our sponsors who help keep the show going. First, we have Roka that you can find on roka.com. If you're looking for triathlon apparel, wetsuits, sunglasses, swim equipment or tri suits or similar, they have got you covered and uh, their quality is second to none. That's why they are the biggest triathlon apparel brand in the world. And you can check them out and you can order for a 20% discount on your entire order on roca.com when you use the discount code that triathlon show, all one word, all caps. And thank you to Precision Hydration. It is summer and it is hot and you need to stay hydrated and that is not just water. You also need to cover your electrolyte needs and standard sports drink don't take into account how much variance there is in how much sodium you lose in your sweat, which is where precision hydration comes in. They have great tasting products that you can tailor to your sweat needs and you can get your first box or tube of precision hydration for free on precisionhydration.com when you use the discount code DEATHTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlons.